Welcome, welcome, welcome. Before I I, um, sound the bell for us to sit for a few minutes, as we continue to gather and kind of quiet and and focus our intentions for inquiry, uh, look around, which I'm sure you're doing already, how could you not? It's very compelling, isn't it? <laughs> to see everyone's face. And, and if you were like me, I have to switch to a second page and scroll over to see everybody, uh, including the, the little boxes that don't necessarily have a face. If someone is shy about that, it's just fine. But you see their name. Uh, and so you know that there's someone there, even if you can't quite see their face. Uh, that's how it is in life. You know, sometimes you know there's someone there or you see someone, but you don't know their story. But if you, as you look at these faces, you know that everyone has quite a complicated story. I don't mean difficult, just complex. Lives that are much more than you can imagine. And they're looking at you the same way. And so as we sit, uh, please understand that you're holding each other in that, with that reality. Are these amazing people with these lives that we don't even understand all the depth of and to appreciate them, wish them to be free of suffering, wish them to be well. Uh, so in that spirit, let, let's sit together.
with each breath, just offering yourself fully to all those on the screen with you and everyone and receiving them fully with each in-breath. Breathing in and out, in and out. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. I think there are probably a number of you who have um, listened to or maybe were with us, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, when I offered the Dharma talk at Appamata a couple of weeks ago about holding the center. And uh, I sort of jokingly said it was like um, uh, an introductory overview to Zen practice for people who had been around for a long time, uh, kind of a, a reminder or reorientation. And today, I, I like to um, to talk about holding the center, holding the spirit of inquiry. And in, in this this form of practice, and when I in the, in the previous talk, you know, I, I engaged three different pieces I thought were essential: um, the the foundations of our practice, the deep source from which it's come. Uh, we paid homage to ancestors and dedication to the lineage of teachers who brought us uh, to this point in practice. Uh, the second was the spirit of ongoing practice, uh, constancy. And then uh, Zazen, our essential sort of non-negotiable at the heart of, of Soto Zen. <clears throat> Pardon me. Because, you know, the, the truth is that more people attend this offering. Uh, there are 53 online right now. More, more people attend this offering than any other offering that Appamata offers, at least at any one time. So it's worth reflecting on because it's, it's an important thing that we offer. But also, <clears throat> for many, many years uh, at Appamata, in person or the Austin Zen Center or even other places where I've taught, 
a session in which we sit and reflect as we are here becomes a portal for many people. Many people will, will come to something like this that might not come to a longer retreat. or And it, it's an entryway for people, so it's really important. <clears throat> uh, many of you are reading as I am, or have read the new book by Joan Sutherland, which I've mentioned a couple of times recently, uh, through Forests of Many Colors. And here's a, um, an interesting uh, sentence when I came upon it. Of course, I underlined it like about half of the book. But, um, and I'm going to change one word. She's talking about koans, but I'm just going to talk about practice in general. So my apologies to her for making a slight alteration. Here's a quote. Practice is about awakening. The capacity to have a deep and open and helpful life. If that's not what seems to be happening, it's time for some inquiry. So, of course, that, that got my attention because uh, that, that's our job. It's on page 166, by the way, if you're interested uh, to read the context of that. Practice is about awakening. It's what all of this is about. It's not about something else. Other things happen, but it, it's not about anything else. And then she very briefly says, and this awakening she's talking about is a capacity to have a deep and open and helpful life. And if that's not what seems to be happening, it's time for some inquiry. Like, what's going on? Since that's our, I would say, kind of our birthright or our essential nature, so... If that's not what's streaming, uh, we might be on the wrong channel. You know? <clears throat> so, I'm going to give you some background and some essences once again in this, this review of inquiry, like I did for our general practice. When I, when I began offering this, um, you know, I was, I was teaching in a, a traditional way and the, the most amazing, touching, deep experiences, um, the things that we just said, those qualities of, of deepening and opening and, and generosity, were happening in these individual interviews I was having with students, either uh, every, during everyday practice during the week or um, in retreats, in intensives. But they were all happening in, in private interviews. And I would witness this, and many of you have been in those interviews with me, and you know what it's like. And I thought, gosh, what a generosity it would be if everyone could benefit from this beautiful unfolding. And it wasn't just me. And of course, being in with my other uh, hat, met um, another rocket suit, uh, you know, I was a, therap a group therapist, so I, I saw the benefit of what it was like to do these things in a group. So I kind of knew about this where people could both witness, but also participate by offering themselves in support of what was happening. Because all of this is about spiritual friendship or meeting intimately at its deepest level. And it's about how students and teachers meet, how spiritual friends meet as this awakening is unfolding. Um, remember, we, we emphasize so much about how Awakening happens between, not necessarily privately, in someone. Those teachings on only a Buddha and a Buddha can understand it. That we've spoken about this many times. So I want to talk about four things, some of which are historical and some of which we offer now, and how they relate. And I'm not doing this just for history's sake, although it's, it's interesting. It's, it's like I'm showing you um, a background pattern or even a pentimento that's coming through from something in the back. I'm going to talk about uh, dokusan, which is the Japanese word, uh, shosan. Um, dokusan we call practice discussion. Shosan, which is a public ceremony, which you see in the head student's ceremony. Satsang, which is a word that comes out of the Hindu tradition. And then our practice discussion groups. I'm going to talk about these four things. And I'm going to talk about dokusan first because that's where all of this really starts.
and many, many of you have had the experience of arriving in the soft light of morning. In fact, earlier I had to add an, an additional light. The sun is coming up now, but it was really dark. In the soft light of early morning, you know, before dawn, gathering with your friends in response to the sound of the Han or the clappers, inviting you to join the charged stillness of the Zendo. It's still and quiet, but it's very alive. And then if you're in an intensive, soon someone quietly comes behind you and taps you on the shoulder. Or if you're waiting in a side room, you hear a little bell from the teacher that says, come to meet me. And even as I describe that to many of you, you can remember the both the, uh, the, the joy and the tenderness or, or the anxiety and the terror of like, oh, I'm going to go meet, meet the teacher. And in Japanese, this is called dokusan, which means going alone to the teacher. Another word that some traditions use is sanzen, which means going to Zen. Uh, but we use the word practice discussion to make it uh, English. And so we don't, we're not using a foreign word so much. But these are the traditional ways that they're spoken about. And the styles vary from, um, in different lineages and different, different groups, but this invitation to meet in, intimately is the foundation of what we're doing right here. Uh, you know, Joko would regularly see everyone in the Zendo in some organized order so that everyone would be able to meet with the teacher and the teacher would get to know them. Uh, usually more than once during a long retreat. And we adopted that style at Apamata and use it during most intensives. Um, Peg and I, for example, would, you know, kind of divide up the Zendo and each day we'd see half of the people and then we'd flip the next day and then we'd see the other. So we'd see both of us. So when, when I call on you sometimes during inquiry, if I say, you know, Lori or Robin or, you know, somebody... When I call on you, it's sort of like that. It's enacting that kind of form. Ready or not, here you come. <laughs> and we're going to meet. At San Francisco Zen Center, uh, the form was a little different. I would see Blanche or one of the other practice leaders during a shishin or intensive by request. I would go to their attendant and I'd say, I'd like to see the teacher. And then they would put me on the list and when the teacher had time they'd come tap me on the shoulder and I'd go sit outside on some zafus in the hallway waiting and we hear the bell I would go in. So this is the enactment of when you raise your hand at inquiry. I'd like to speak, I'd like to meet the teacher. So we have both, both ways that we enact these things. But no matter what the style is, the common element is a kind of encounter that goes beyond ordinary discursive dialogue and asks the pair to step back through the gate of awakening. It's not, not a progression. It's a stepping back through the gate of awakening into this unconventional territory that is outside of the, what's conceivable. And such a meeting by its very nature, really, is collaborative. I may assume the role of a teacher, you might assume the role of a student, but those are just roles that we're assuming so that we can dance. But both of us are fully responsible for that, the shared path that we take once we step back through that gate. Here's another quote from Joan Sutherland. She said, Zen meetings have the simplest of forms. And she's going to refer to the classical Dokusan. She says, two people sitting on the floor, face inches from face in a candlelit room. And yet that small room is a large field containing the stars and earthworms and poems and cities. And in the vastness, 
the Chinese teacher Lin Ji said, the true person has no rank. In other words, everyone and everything is perfectly equal. They are face to face and completely themselves. And here we don't even have stories about what meetings are for. Those are, those are her, her words. I, I said one time to Blanche when I went to Dokusan, I said, I always want to come see you. I raise my hand every time. I look forward to it. And then when I get here, I don't know what to do. And I have no idea how to use you. If you were a therapist, I would know what to do. I could bring my problem, we could, you know, all that stuff. Because I understand that. But in this, I don't know. And she said, that's the point. And she smiled and laughed a little bit and then offered me the forms. Enter the room. In this case, it was formal dokusan. Do three full prostrations. Put your cushion back on the zabaton. Take your seat, arrange your robes. We sit intimately and then see what arrives. And when we finished, stand up, arrange the cushions, step back. Do a standing bow to exit the room. So it was something to hold. The, the world, the, the way we think it ought to be, and that whole thing of like, I've got to make a good impression when I go in, is the world of illusion. You don't know how it's going to be. And you can try to make a good impression, but that's just going to be in the way. Or it'll be the entryway. And Dokusan, or at practice discussion, is sitting together in what's most real. So is it here? It's like in shared zazen, really, where anything might be possible. What's most real, most true, right here, right now. And so today's teachers are going to invite their students, just like the old ones did, and whatever the form is. And the fir first time I met Blanche for Dokusan, I'd, I'd requested it. And, and oddly, she came to get me. I, I guess it was because it was my first time. And she, I followed her out of the Zendo and we had to go up to the second floor at City Center where the little room was that we were going to meet in. I had a tatami. And she, she opened the door. It was really dark. It was early, early, cold, you know, San Francisco. And she showed me the room, oriented me and where my seat was going to be. And then she took me to the altar and she lit a candle. And then she showed me the forms of how to offer incense. But she kind of turned the tables. She was my attendant and she was showing me how to offer the incense. And everything was not what I expected. She was the teacher. But she was attending to me and to my practice and embodying this backward step using the forms to make it explicit without using any language. And then as students, how we respond to these kinds of invitations is where the encounter really begins. And after that morning, I never left. Every meeting is different. Sometimes it's full of laughter or tears or sitting together in silence or it's great when, when Lori goes to Dokusan because you can hear the laughter, you know, just the greatest laugh, you know, but it's even so it's the deepest kind of conversation and the feelings that arise most naturally from that field, I, I think is like love. The day after I had that initial dokusan with Blanche, I went down to Market Street to the, this florist and, and bought this most beautiful kala lily. And I put it at her door. She wasn't there. And I wrote a little sort of haiku to put with it. Cool breeze over the windowsill. Floorboards creak underfoot. Buddha Dharma flowers. And sometimes when we get together like this, you know, nothing needs to be done. Everything is just fine. But we want to meet. Sometimes a question arises. 
know, often the question that arises first, and you know this, all of you, once you meet, it's like it changes. It's not that anymore. Or some delusion appears, which we think doesn't belong there, and that ends up being the actual gate. Um, and so we apply the, the universal solvent as curiosity and inquiry. Sorrow is welcome. Joy is welcome. The worst news is welcome. Celebration is welcome. A student once said, Dokasan is where I first was able to meet the darkness of life and know for sure that this was part of me and everyone. Whatever happens, you know, my job, the teacher's job, is to rely on the vastness in a way that helps you uh, learn to come to rely on on the vastness too. To rely on something more and to help you rely on that as well. And if I push or test a little bit, it's because it might be helpful to discover what's uh, in the murky place that hasn't been lit up yet and to work with what, what we discovered there together. And if both of us care more about exploring what arises and discovering what's moving than we do about being right or looking good, then finding some limit or difficulty uh, might be really interesting. Suddenly what seemed like making a mistake becomes super helpful. <clears throat> I know this sounds ridiculous to say it, but I think it's important to make it explicit. It's like, I take your, your awakening seriously. It's not something other people have. I take your awakening seriously. Even at times when you don't. Or can't. This is the, the real understanding of encouragement. Sometimes it's, you know, a warm hand and sometimes it's like a sword. Depends on the situation. There's an old story where a, a new teacher asks an old veteran teacher, uh, what do you think teaching is? And the old teacher says, well, it's 50% encouragement. And the young one says, well, what's the other 50%? And he says, encouragement. <laughs> and just, just like this talk. So I spent most of my time on Dokusan because that's sort of the, the heart of it. But I did want to mention, I said I would mention Shosan, which is the other Japanese word, which literally means a small meeting in public. You know, Dokusan is going privately to the teacher. Shosan is <clears throat> an inquiry and response ceremony in public. It's a really old tradition in Zen. And usually a lot of temples have this once a month where the teacher in a formal, you know, sits in a chair with robes and the students come and they bow and and they ask their question about their practice. <clears throat> so this is an aspect of inquiry, isn't it? It's what, what we're doing. And we see this in our head student ceremony, those of you that are, are familiar with it, where the head student is asked questions by other Sangha members. Uh, and, you know, I often have to remind people that the questions in this setting are the kind of spare, direct, immediate kinds of encounters, not the usual conversational questions with an answer, or even more commonly, you know, in the Shu So ceremony or head student ceremony, people uh, start with all their congratulations. It's like, no, that's later in the ceremony. Ask your question that has the immediacy in it, because this is a profound encounter, not, a, not like a challenge. It's not Dharma combat, which is a way some people talk about this. It's a deep, warm invitation to meet beyond the ordinary and really see and hear each other and to touch each other's heart. So this is an aspect of inquiry too, done in public. And then that word satsang that I mentioned, which um, sat means um, true in Sanskrit and sang is like sangha. So it's like Um, association in truth with good company with your friends uh, 
refers to the act of, of gathering with like-minded, uplifting people on the spiritual path, meeting in truth. And it's often, it comes out of the Advaita branch of um, Hindu practice, but a lot of people use it these days too. You know, teachers like Adi Shanti and some others will use that word. Um, I, I wanted to use the more direct word inquiry rather than the traditional word. Once again, instead of using dokasan, shosan, satsang, uh, practice discussion and inquiry. Uh, it's a key practice at Appamata because the term is generally used to highlight the importance of community and spiritual growth. And I think most of us come to these meetings looking for something and appreciating the depth that's revealed. Um, I, I told the story just this week in a practice discussion group. There was a young man I met um, some a few years ago, and he was making um, a documentary film on Buddhism in America, and he wanted to interview me as one of the teachers. And so I happened to be in Los Angeles doing some work, and he was there, so we met and we did an interview there. And then he came through Austin uh, when he was traveling, and he came to inquiry. And he was sitting in the audience in person in the Zendo, and after it was over, it was a powerful meeting, and we'd done our final chant. And before everybody stood up, in that little moment, some of you were there, probably Robin, I see her smiling. He said, is it always like this? It was a kind of a holy crap, you know, really? And he had spent a year interviewing the most senior Buddhist teachers in the United States. And it wasn't about me, it was about what happened in that space that we all created. So the question that arrives today is, are you playing it safe? And here's a little story that you might enjoy. Some of you have heard it before that Dogen talks about. Don't get stuck in loving a carved dragon. We should go forward and love the real dragon. So, Because there's a story about this guy in China who loved dragons, like that was his thing. And he had pictures of them and he had carvings of them and he just... He had this thing about dragons. And so one day a dragon was in the neighborhood and it was flying over and he heard about this guy and he thought, I'll pay a visit. I'll come see him. So the dragon floats down and he sticks his head in the window. The guy looks at the real dragon, screams in horror and runs away. You think you want it, but what about when you really meet it? So Dogen says, don't get stuck on loving carved dragons. Go forward and love the real dragon. So when we sit together with a question, you never know what's going to come up. You never know what's going to stick their head in the window. And you never know if it's going to be consoling or terrifying. But you have a friend really close, the teacher, and all these other beautiful, wonderful people on the screen or in person who are your witnesses. Everyone's watching and listening and everybody is on your side rooting for you. So we have these individual meetings in Dokasan or practice discussion. We have Shosan. And by the way, these aren't the equivalent of individual therapy and group therapy. It's not therapy. It's not you go to meet the teacher individually or you meet in a group. So one more fun story, and I'm bringing you this um, courtesy of Tygen Layton, who's a wonderful Zen teacher in Chicago. He likes uh, Bob Dylan. Listen to this line. You know, Dylan is such an unbelievably good poet. This is unusual language, so this is just a couple of lines. A question in your nerves is lit. Yet you know there is no answer fit to satisfy, ensure you not to quit, to keep it in your mind and not forget that it is not he or she or them or it that you belong to. Here we are in inquiry, a question in your nerves, in your nerves, in your body is lit. 
yet you know there is no answer fit to satisfy ensure you not to quit you're not going to get an ordinary answer that's going to satisfy you that's not its point but to keep it in your mind and not forget to live with the question live it deeply keep it there let it keep working on you that it is not he or she or them or it that you belong to that we learn to step further more deeply into our lives. So just a couple of final things. I know I'm giving you a lot again, but this is the reorientation talk for inquiry like I did at Appamata. The comments that I usually make or any of the other teachers make in, in inquiry Today it's a little bit long, but these are not actually Dharma talks. Dharma talks are usually thematic expressions which open and deepen over days during a long retreat or highlight a certain um, day, like on, on Sundays when we meet. And often these talks are offered in a container where there's lots of silence and stillness and relinquishing of your everyday forms of practice. These brief comments that I make, usually brief, <laughs> in inquiry, I want to offer talks in inquiry that are relevant to the world that's unfolding around us, not, not just the news, but what's, what we're immersed in. And it's an invitation to shift our perspective or our consensus reality, to wake up within what's happening. And I also offer these comments in inquiry which are relevant to the world unfolding inside of me, like this one, offering my own practice edge as a shared path. And these talks are grounded in experience, mine and yours, and, and my hope is that we're stepping beyond our limited perspectives into the mystery, that that awakening occurs. Just an intellectual or informational talk about Buddhism or Zen, that's called a class. This isn't a class. If I was just going to go into my personal or relational experiences, and talk about how to manage those, that's called a coping strategy. That's not inquiry. And if I went deeply into my conditioning and my history and just stayed with the archaic issues or trauma, that's psychotherapy. And if I just gave an inspirational talk online, that's just another great podcast. That's like Zen-informed entertainment. This isn't any of those things. But just this the embodied inconceivable expressed and received as we practice together. The practice of the mystery unfolding in everyday life. Emptiness dancing as everyday life. The inevitable difficulties and what's possible. Dukkha and awakening. So when we come, when we come to inquiry, we're going to, like Blanche said on the night before she died, we're going to check our intentions. What are we here for? What's your aspiration? What can I offer in this shared space of awakening that we're creating together? You don't need to get an answer to your question. Stay present in the middle of the question, which brings us back to, to Zaza. We know that in inquiry, we, we don't answer the question so much as we question our answers. It's all right for things to be like they are. And yet the, the sense of incompleteness or wholeness of being all right to be this person, it's all right to be in this world. This is what we're going for. So ask more of yourself by asking more of me. And I see that Judith is ready. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now I don't know what to say. Um, here you are. <laughs> if you don't know what to say, look at me. Well, my, my question is, what do we do when we can't do Zazen? 
I've been experiencing um, depression quite um, quite strongly. And I do sit down and I do get try anyway to get in touch with my body and sit, but it's, um, it doesn't seem to be working. Zazen doesn't work. <laughs> and you are doing Zazen. If you engage the form with a whole heart and as best whole heart as you can bring, and it may not be yeah. very much. Yeah. And you engage the form. Zazen is not something you were doing anyway. It's a word that we use to express that willingness and that commitment and that ceremony that you're engaging so that it can find you. And if you have some faith in it, and I think that you do because of the years that you've practiced, <laughs> that eventually it will find you and lead you out of the place that you're in and find the awakening that's there, even in the midst of depression. Even if you don't feel well, reality's unfolding beautifully. And then, then to get the kind of help and support that you need, which, you know, you're doing. You're not, not failing or not doing Zazen. It just doesn't look like what you wished it did. And the other... A so-called trip that I've been laying on myself is that for as long as I've been doing it, it I should be better than this. Boy, that's, that's a really painful one, isn't it? <laughs> I fall into that one too. Assuming, no. <laughs> assuming that there's a better to be. Mm. Your wakeful nature is just fine. And just like mine and everyone else's the way that it moves through your conditioned body and in your life, your life it may have troubles and may have difficulties. You may feel depressed. You may have had disappointments and hurts and losses and all that. And the perfection of your true nature is the space in which all that's unfolding. And when we remember that, all this stuff doesn't go away, but we're standing in a different place in relationship to it. We're standing in the light of awareness, even as all this moves deeply underground, sometimes even into the dark around us. If you let go of the idea that it, something is going to work and rest in the faith that it's already done and that you can't escape it, it will find you no matter how you feel. And if you don't see it in you, See it in the way people look at you who love you and the way people treat you who love you. And I'll come see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Hello there. Hi. Um, I've been wanting to talk to you. Um, but I didn't really feel up to it. <laughs> well, here, here we are. Here we are. Let's take advantage of it. Um, um Well, I'm kind of divided. <clears throat> um, I'm divided between, I, I, I feel mostly lost, and then occasionally I'll just be and I'm fine. And then I go back to feeling really lost. Um, so that's where I am right now. Uh, and it's really uncomfortable and painful and I, I don't want it. I don't want it to be like this. Not liking it. Um, um, I, so, I, go ahead. I see you and I hear you. 
and I know what it's like to be lost. And I know what it's like just to be and to feel at peace and then to be lost again. So are you lost right now? If we share that reality. Um, it softens things. Hmm. Softens things. I, because I think a part of the being lost is, is the ultimate uh, suffering of the aloneness of it, you know? So sharing. That's why the connection is so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. So whether you are just being in that space you, you call peace or ease, whether that's when you're by yourself, you know, no one else is around, but you do it really well in nature. So then you're not alone. With the, trees, yeah. with the trees and the birds and the wind and the lake and whatever the mountains uh, or you turn towards people who are usually more complicated uh, than those things and yet they're so required you in, in a certain way you're never alone although of course we feel alone and uh, in a certain way we're never lost but we, we feel lost because what we've lost is the faith in our deep penetrating interconnectedness that's what's getting lost that we're here because of the grace and beauty of everything around us yeah and you may feel sorrow and you may feel emptiness and you may feel pain in that but that's the way aliveness happens to be moving at that time it's not good i wouldn't want it either i don't want it when i have it but the willingness to stay with it with some confidence that it isn't who you are. It's a place that you're caught in. It's not your true nature. Mm -hmm. And to, to turn towards people, just like students come to you, they say the same thing. I feel lost. I don't know what to do. I feel bad. And then things soften. This is a shared enterprise, not to make us better, but to help us rest more deeply and gain more confidence in in, the, in living together. Mm. It's a different kind of confidence than the one that our culture usually prescribes for us, which is you'll feel, if you feel better, you'll have more confidence. If you have worse, you have less confidence. This is a confidence that's about, that holds it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think as much as anything, it's always the same thing, right? But it's the, the connection, feeling the lack of connection. And that's a choice. It's always a choice. And you notice that you're more consistently just gazing now than you were when you started. You're sort of looking around for the thing that's going to, it's not he or she or it or them. That's the one, you know, like in Dylan, it's right here is this. And just, it happens to be me, but there, there are a whole bunch of other people around that are saying, thank God she's talking about this because it's helping them. Just like Judith, because other people, it's helping other people. And your willingness to to add, ask more of yourself by asking more of me, like you're doing now, is that reestablishes the connection, that reestablishes the love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. I have no idea what I'm going to say. Me either. <laughs> Good. <laughs> mm. I was asking myself the question, um, how do I play it so safe? Mm -hmm. How do I play it safe? Um, and uh, feels as if whatever it is that brings me to practice, and I don't know what that is, but that keeps bringing me to practice, that keeps bringing me here, that keeps 
bringing me to Sangha keeps uh, also is the same thing that uh, made me press the button and say, be, be here, put your hand up and be here. Um, What if you just shorten it a little bit? I'm here. Yeah. Or just here. Yeah. Even drop the eye. Yeah. This is here. Yeah. This. Mm -hmm. yeah. It seems kind of silly in, in one hand, but not not when we step back through that gate, like I mentioned, and meet like this, then suddenly it doesn't seem silly what you're saying. It's not some Zen weird thing. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Something about um, keeping offering. Continuing to show up. Yeah. yeah whatever it is. <laughs> and continuing to receive those who show up for you. Mm. There's two sides. Mm. I can see. <laughs> They're all here. <clears throat> Do you mind saying what your age is? I'm 77 now. You're 77. Um, so this... You're not saying this as a young person wondering about how to live the life that's laid out ahead of you, that you think is going to be laid out ahead of you. This is someone who has a life ahead of you, certainly, but this is born of a lot of uh, years mm. of constancy, of continuing. And what mm. kind of faith have you gained? And what have you had to lay down over those years to say, oh, that that's not that reliable. And as those things fall away or burn away or taken away, what are you left with? Here. Yeah. I'm here. Here this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if I were in my last moments on my deathbed, or you were, and one of us was attending to the other, what would be left, you know? It's like each breath, maybe a touch, mm. one hand, some, this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Without all the other ideas, without the discursive thinking, pure presence. This is the, the gift, if you don't play it safe. Just reminds me of the story of uh, Frank Ostrzewski, um, when there were two men who were both dying, I think. And people will probably know the story, and one comes into the room, and they just look at each other one who is dying and and they just say ah mm. this is mm -hmm. nothing else thank you sometimes we just want to crawl into bed with the other and mm -hmm. hold on while we can yeah mm -hmm. thank you We have just a couple of minutes. I, I'm now sitting with what to say as I stand at the graveside of my mother-in-law of 42 years. Um, she died at 85, I believe 84, 85. So I, I thought, wow, 
I knew her half of it. And she knew me for over 40 years of my 70 years. So what, what do you say? It isn't just a recitation of what happened, you know? Because you can't just say this. What are, what are the qualities? So that's my, my package right now, my inquiry. Um, and I will I'll probably um, do a more full, I don't know about better, but a more full and intimate job of it if I'm not, here we go, caught in the self-centered dream. Only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts. Exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much, Flint. And thank you everybody for coming together today and creating and supporting this space. And um, if you'd like to offer Dana to teachers such as Flint, and now Laurie's here tonight, as well as Joel, um, please do go to the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. And there you'll see an opportunity to offer Dana for various uh, facilities and programs that the Appamada, oh dear me, the Appamada offer. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for being here. And, uh, and if you'd like to continue to meet and share, then please do stay right where you are and go into gallery view and I'll come and join you and we'll continue the conversation that Flint started and to just connect with each other. So thank you all so much. <laughs>